My beloved in Jesus Christ our Lord, a most blessed feast day to all of you. I was looking at all these beautiful flowers that you have brought into Our Lady and, and reminded the, of what I've read in the past that bringing flowers to Our Lady is a reminder of what happened when Our Lady was in the tomb and the apostles went to look for her. And Thomas wanted to see her, so they opened the tomb. And of course, she wasn't there, but there was flowers. And so tradition holds, that's the reason we take flowers to cemeteries. As a reminder or remembrance of that. What a beautiful feast we celebrate for Our Lady. I liked what we said in this, prayed in the Stichiria, that the tomb became the ladder from earth to heaven. How true. The tomb became a ladder from earth to heaven. It's quite remarkable, really, how much we put into the veneration of the Theotokos. You know, we have four principal feasts. We have the Nativity of the Mother of God. We have her entrance into the temple. We have the Annunciation. We have the feast we're celebrating today. We have other feasts to her, solemn feast days of, of the Holy Protection. The day after Christmas is the Synaxis of the Mother of God, the day after the birth of her son. We have other ones as well. The ones where we celebrate her leaving her belt with um, the Holy Father Andrew. So many feasts we celebrate. And that's only the tip of the iceberg, because when you go through mountains, and as our cantor, daily cantor is learning, there's not only the canons for the saint, but often, often you will come across a second canon to the Mother of God. To Our Lady of the Inexhaustible Cup. To the icon of Kazans. To Our Lady of Chestakova. And outside of that, we have Akathis that give her such splendid titles. The golden-candled Abra, beautiful. And when we reflect on these on all our feast days and we look at them, we see that even in our liturgical life seems to cycle around Our Lady. Yes, we have the Paschal cycle of our Lord, and you have the Santoral cycle of the saints. But the Theotokos, the one to her, is quite unique. Because we begin our liturgical year, is what? Our liturgical first day of the liturgical year, September 1st. But the first great feast of the year is the Nativity of the Mother of God in September 8th. And then we go through the course of our life, and we come to the end, and we celebrate the great feast today of our Dormition. Where our Lord comes, takes her soul, but that's not good enough because her body, which contained the divine one in her womb, how could that know corruption? And he took her body as well. So it's not surprising that the tomb was empty. It's not surprising it was filled with flowers. And when we look at our, the cycle of Our Lady, we see our own spiritual life in it. Whether a feast of her nativity is our own 
feast of rebirth and baptism, our own birth into Christ. She was presented in the temple. In other words, she gave her entire life to Christ. Isn't that what we're called to do? Give our entire life to Him? Golly, if our focus was so fixed on following Him, if our focus was so fixed on loving Him, there would be no room to sin. And then we celebrate, for example, the Annunciation. Our Lord was conceived in her womb. Oftentimes, she's, her womb is called the divine oven, which the bread was baked, the bread of life was baked. Do not we receive the bread of life? And as we come to the end of life, we celebrate her death and her new life. Isn't that the same with us? Not just physically, we're going to die and be raised up again, but spiritually? Every year, our cycle of life should turn. And it revolves around the Theotokos, following her life. And we should, by the time we come to the Dormition, have grown a little bit since her birth. As we followed her on her journey. And so we should slowly spiral upwards as we slowly grow every year, growing a little bit more. And instead of coming narrower and narrower, we grow bigger and bigger. Because she contained what the world could not contain. And if we grow, we should be growing too and containing more and more of God's love. So you can see our life is very interwoven with the life of the mother of God. It's inseparable. And you can see through the liturgical life that, that she is the very fabric of our Lord. She is the tapestry by which he was conceived. He received flesh. And she is the backdrop of which we live out our Christian lives. Have we forgotten the joy of the Mother of God looking over us? Forgotten the peace that when we first started calling upon her help and her aid that we used to have and maybe it's diminished somewhat over the years? We need to start recalling those moments and remember that she is as close to us as her son. She can't be separated from him. And she has come to give us encouragement, always pointing us to her son, always giving us the example to follow. And we see when this earthly life is through, we hear from all the people throughout the centuries that have been privileged to get a glimpse of her. That when that earthly body was taken up and glorified as our Lord's body was, and as yours and mine will be, we can see through their witness how brilliant that glory is. Because anyone who's ever had an authentic encounter with the Theotokos will tell you she's indescribably beautiful. 
Many people have tried to write, draw, do paintings of her, and those who have had the witnesses, that doesn't do justice to her beauty, to her glory, which is the reflection of the love of her son. And it is to be our reflection too one day. We celebrate a glorious feast to the mother of God. It's a feast of our salvation. I say so because our Lord, it now is confirmed, that it took flesh from a real woman, a real person who had real flesh and blood. And she was so real, like you and I, she was subjected to the ancestral curse of death that she herself died. They put her in a tomb. Which tells you and I that that flesh our Lord assumed is our flesh. And as the fathers will say, what is not assumed is not saved. Therefore, Our Lady, by giving Him flesh, our flesh, you and I are saved. And we're called to a greater dignity than we ever thought imaginable. It's a feast of our salvation. It's a feast of Christ's humanity. It's also a feast of Christ's divinity. As He came, He took her soul. He took it into heaven, and he took her body with him. But that's not the most beautiful thing of all. The most joyous thing, the greatest one who's exulting at this moment, is her son. Her son. And I will leave you with the words of St. Germanus, the patriarch of Constantinople who died in the mid-7th century. I'm just going to read just a few sentences of what he wrote about her dormition. It is time, my mother, says the Lord, to take you to myself, just as you filled the earth and all who dwell in it with joy. O you who enjoy such grace, come make the heavens joyful once again. Make my Father's dwelling place radiant. Be a spiritual guide to the souls of the saints. Death shall shall make no boast at your expense, for you have given birth to life. Come eagerly to the one whom you brought into the world. I want to make you happy, as a son should do. To pay you the pension due a mother's womb to recompense you for feeding me milk, to reward you for your nurture, to give your maternal love its full return. You begot me, mother, as your only son. Now make the choice to come and live with me. Come then with joy. Open up paradise, which your ancestor Eve, your natural sister, had locked, and enter into the joy of your son.